Good morning, Stefan. Morning, <laughs> Jamie. Hey, here we are. <laughs> here we are one more time. Yeah. Well, how are things this this beautiful morning? Uh, I am just still shaking out the cobwebs a little bit. <laughs> we have uh, every Thursday, uh, thir typically one Thursday a month, we have book club uh, with my geezer cohort. <laughs> and uh, I'm the young guy, so it's my job to keep everyone entertained. So if the I'm this 61-year-old kid in the in this group. And uh, we have, uh, this month, we discussed a book about statistics about the world. Uh, it's called How the World Works. And um, it talks about all the things that people don't, that doesn't ever end up in the news about the environment and how tied our entire world is to the petroleum industry. Not for motor vehicles, but for producing fertilizer to feed humans. Well, and then some for motor vehicles to actually get the food to market and to power the refrigeration equipment along the way and how much food waste there is in the world. And um, it's something that we in the tech industry don't think of because we think of how quickly we can make things and change things and put a new solution together. But we are bound to certain industries. We are bound to the cement industry. We are bound to the steel industry. We are bound to uh, industrial food production. And all of those things require incredible amounts of fossil fuel. And there aren't tech solutions for those things yet. Yeah. And that's where all the greenhouse gases uh, go, right? Like the, like one steel mill, one giant crucible in a steel mill is the equivalent energy used to a, a little town or city of 130,000. Wow. Right. Wow. And that's, yeah. that's got, that's electricity. It has to be generated somewhere, which here in the Northwest comes from hydroelectric and uh, same with the aluminum industry. And those things aren't those needs for that kind of immense amounts of energy aren't changing anytime soon. Right. And so what we see in the news about, I mean, from the most mundane, from recycling doesn't work. Yeah, because it's just a drop in the bucket. And and also our reliance on the plastics industry. Oh my gosh. Yeah. For, That's something. For, yeah, yeah for, for packaging, for fuel tanks, for uh, any kind of everything tanks <laughs> for industry. Yeah, and so all of that requires petroleum, and then also there's the tremendous, uh, like thirty percent of all food, even though we are feeding the planet better than ever, thirty percent of all the food um, just never makes it to the consumer. It rots along the way, it spoils, it gets culled. It's, it, um, and so that also, there's all of these areas where we can improve, but it will take a lot longer 
than maybe we think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's interesting if you think about how long it's taken us to get where we are in terms of these sorts of industry, right? Like, and you know, at the time it was like, we're revolutionizing, we're economizing, we're like improving and increasing productivity and production and all of these things. But then we realized like, uh oh, like somewhere along the way, we're like, we, you know, got this cruise ship going full speed in one direction, then like, and it's not good. It's not the best direction. And we didn't know until we got here. And now we're like, uh oh, but you can't just be like, okay, now we'll just go this way. It's a big shift. It's a big it's a big directional change that has to happen. And, you know, so many of us, I mean, it's, it's so such an ingrained part of who we are as a culture at, at this point, right? Like we've been working on these sorts of things since after the depression. I mean, like, right. Maybe even earlier. It's, it's. uh, Well, I mean, the course we're on has been set for a couple hundred years, industrialization, the use of steel, I mean, concrete is a Roman concoction. Sure. And I think right. of plastics, I, you know, as plastics it, like, recently, especially. Yes. Yeah. I, big, big plastics thing. And then realizing that plastics aren't as great as we thought they were, you know, it's just. Um, well, they are amazing. <laughs> plastics are amazing, except they don't, they, they, uh, they don't, uh, they don't recycle themselves. Yeah. Right? They're, yep. they're, they are forever and they're choking fish and all of the other terrible things that we see. But this book, this book that we read um, by this statistician, there's some amazing things in there too, where say 300 years ago through human and animal powered agriculture, it took 20 hours of work, something like 20 hours of work to grow the grain and make the flour to produce one loaf of bread. Some some ridiculous amount, yeah. just ridiculous. So you're working all the time just to produce a very small amount. Now that same loaf of bread, the amount of time it takes like 10 seconds or something right. like that to produce the, the raw material yeah. for it through industrialized agriculture. And so we have done amazing, we've done amazing things to increase our ability to feed all the humans. It's just excluded all the other flora and fauna yeah. <laughs> on yeah. the earth. Which we need. I mean, yeah, which the earth needs. Well, actually, that's the other thing that people don't talk about is the earth doesn't need any of it. The earth doesn't care, right? The earth has no conscience. The earth is just doing whatever it needs to do to stay in balance. So hurricanes, typhoons, global warming, the earth is just reaches its own equilibrium what regardless of what we do and the earth has been around magnitudes longer than we have and through very tumultuous periods of climate change and meteors and 
you know, and, and Noah couldn't get all of those dinosaurs on the ark. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, they're gone. Oh man. <laughs> but, but, but in the end, this is about saving our bacon, make, keeping the earth comfortable for us as humans. That's right. That's the only motivation that's going to get. It's not about like, there's not enough people who care about saving animals. Sure. There's not enough. There's not enough people who care about saving rivers or water quality, right? Because. Like, at least here in the most powerful nations in the world, we have all of those things at our disposal. We can afford to, we can afford to really travel, do what we want. And we have all of our basic, we have access to all these basic needs. Yeah. And we're the ones who control these giant industries, the steel industry, the shipping industry, the, even you know, the concrete steel, China, especially. And so most people, in, in the same way with spiritual development, they're just too busy. They're too busy just trying to be humans, feed themselves, have enough money. And, uh, and so here we are. And the, the earth doesn't care. The earth just does whatever it needs to do to stay in equilibrium. And if the earth needs to wipe us out, it doesn't, the earth doesn't need to wipe us out. The earth will just do what the earth does. Yeah. If we happen <laughs> to get in the way of that, <laughs> then we right. don't make it or we do, but yeah, it's a, yeah, that's an interesting. I like, I like, I mean, yeah, I like that. It is about, I mean, in real environment, like the, the motivating force behind environmental politics and environmental policy and an environmental action has to be has to be we've got to save our own bacon this is to make life comfortable for everyone on earth i don't it's something that we're <laughs> not it's something that we're not going to we're not going to see a solution in our lifetime right right you know and it's going to get weirder and i Definitely. just wonder, i just wonder for our kids you know the pressure the pressure that it puts on our kids because again our kids aren't going to have the solution either right this is going to need to be a this is a team effort right and no one single person's again this is just like a spiritual thing it's like no one person's mind can comprehend the solution not even elon musk <laughs> Not even Elon can solve this. Right. Well, you know, man. He's busy with Twitter. So funny. Such a funny thing. Uh, I still feel like he's one of very few people who have made great strides in moving humanity forward, like him or, or dislike him. Yes. And, you know, I don't know. I, I don't think there are many people you can point out in history who have actually made change for humanity who didn't have a strong... Uh, grouping of likers and dislikers, right? <laughs> like, oh, oh, for sure, for sure. And funny. Th those people, those people, even in their brilliance, they are just as flawed mm -hmm. as the rest of us. Absolutely. And Absolutely. the unfortunate thing is, they're in the public eye. And, exactly. So easy to to, yeah. And 
they make mistakes, but when they make mistakes, like like maybe buying Twitter, <laughs> to point to pick on Elon here for a minute because uh, every move, right? We've worked, you and I have worked with people with these types of personalities mm-hmm, who are sure. leading leading companies, leading creative efforts, leading. We have worked with personalities like this. It's just that when somebody like somebody who has a strong ego and is brilliant, but also not necessarily healed or well, when they exercise that through the use of spending billions of dollars in any one direction or another, everything they do becomes magnified. Right. Right. right? It's just, I mean, money is just juice. It's just energy that's collected and stored and has an arbitrary value put on it. And, um, and unfortunately for Elon, he is one, he's under scrutiny and two, he's able to exercise all of his flaws in very large scale. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and I don't know, it's so easy to look at you know, we've talked about this before too, right? Like we've so easy to, I I just feel like there's so it's a, it's almost like it's popular to look at what's wrong. It's popular to look at what could go wrong. Absolutely. So it just seems like there's this mass focus on, oh, this is a disaster. Twitter's going to die, whatever. Like, first of all, Twitter's not, not, well, Twitter's not going to die either. Right. But like, but let's also look at like, what's good about this, you know? I mean, look at what was wrong with it before and look at like, what's possible. Um, That's something we talk about all the time is what's possible, right? Like, is it possible that it could actually become better? It could actually become something that is actually free speech and not, you know, selective free speech. (laughs) So, you know, okay. And, you know, I mean, Twitter aside, um, sometimes, you know, here's a funny thing, a conversation I had with Jack Dorsey, creator of one of co-founder of Twitter, right? Way back in, um, I want to say like 2011, you know, I had an interesting conversation with, with Jack Dorsey and he talked about sometimes in order to move humanity along, you have to create incremental steps. Cause if you just go from like A to Z, it's too jarring for people to wrap, wrap their minds around, right? And and I think maybe we've talked about this in terms of user interface design, right? Like I'll, I'll sidestep that topic for just a moment to talk about like, let's look at the iPhone came out in 2007. Um, 2006, 2007, 2006, yeah. the yeah, SDK 2000. came out in 2007. So it was just like, um, so yeah, so like, when we were first introduced to an iPhone, it was like alien technology, just having this glass screen, right? Like it was just like, what? And then you, you the concepts of interacting with it, it taught you how to interact with it as you go, right? So yes. a button looked like a button, but you're just really poking a screen and it taught you the concept of gestures, swiping or whatever, it taught you that in terms of, but that was something that we didn't use before in the context of a smartphone, right? So it's slowly like the, the, the vision for where we would go with a smartphone is already much further along than where we are physically with smartphones. But how far we've come with smartphones 
even since iPhone alone, right? How far we've come since like 2006, 2007 is, is like volumes, right? I mean, even even just having a smartphone, this didn't exist when I was a child. Like the, my my kids have no idea what it was like before iPhones, right? And rotary, rotary dial, baby. Right, and push buttons even, and and lines and cords attached. Anyway, so like what I'm saying though is there's like, you know, if if they had just dropped an iPhone on us and the gestures and stuff and like expected us to get it from the first time without this sort of graduated introduction to how to use it, we wouldn't have known what to do. It would have been too much and we would have rejected it in a, in a way, right? So- Well, for sure. And remember Steve Jobs' early efforts at tablets, right? Mm -hmm. They all, they all, all failed. Was, and they were, they were brilliant. They would work yeah. today, but they were too, it was too much of a leap. A lot of what Steve did at the beginning of his first round at Apple was too much of a leap for people. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> it, it was, and that's um, I lost my train of thought there for just oh. a moment. Sorry, something popped on my screen, and I was like, "What is this?" <laughs> but it's it's disregardable. Um, it it's exactly that. And when Jack Dorsey talked about like just accepting payments, right? Like he's like what started Square when for him was he wanted, he was at like a farmer's market and he wanted to buy a piece of art that was, you know, 350 bucks or whatever it was. And he couldn't do it because he didn't have the cash and that person didn't accept credit cards. And he's like, this is a, you know, this shouldn't be a barrier to me having this piece of art. Like this, this shouldn't exist. Something like that. Don't quote me on that exactly. But you know, and then being able to do digital payments, but then doing digital payments through, uh, you know, we have these cards that are like, this is even stupid, right? We carry these cards around, but this is where we're at as a, as a society, right? We have a card that we pay. Now we are starting to move away from this now and we can like, I can email you payment or text it to you or whatever. But like when I had this conversation with Jack in 2011, he was already there. He was already like, we shouldn't need this to have his transaction. Um, I, had to I had to explain that to my geezers at book club. Yeah. Last like, night it's like, like, like they're like some, I mean, I carry cash occasionally. Yeah. I used to always have $200, but <sighs> now in, in, I used to have 200 bucks in my money clip just so that just in case. I wasn't limited. Yeah. Didn't want to be limited. Yep. Unconstrained. Unconstrained in your wallet. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you but know what? Now, the... But now I just take my phone unless I'm driving yeah. or I know I need. I have is my phone and every all the places I should I don't I, I don't have I'm I am so unencumbered by having stuff in my yeah. pockets well you know here's an example of of that for me feeling the same way you know uh before the pandemic I used to travel uh, I don't know 20 times a year to go speak at conferences and stuff and um one time my first time going to Indianapolis <laughs> speaking at a conference out there and I get to the airport and I live I live about an hour from the airport here it takes me about an hour to drive to the airport here in Las Vegas um, from where I live and I get to the airport and I realize I forgot my luggage my suitcase but 
I had my shoulder bag, which had my laptop, but I had learned early on to always keep a copy of my talk on the cloud, because if I forgot it, I could access if I forgot my computer, or if I had computer trouble, which was more likely some sort of tech problem, I could still pull it down no matter where I was or what computer I was using. But I realized in that, so I was like, I'm, I'm at the airport, you know, I don't have time to drive home or even ask Ken to bring me my suitcase and get to this flight on time. But I realized I've got, I've got my credit card and my ID and I've got my computer. I'll just figure it out. I go into the terminal. There happens to be in the Las Vegas airport, something called Mr. Boxer, which is an underwear store of all the things I'm like, okay, biggest problem solved. <laughs> I can get clean underwear. <laughs> and then I can get some t-shirts from the gift shop and I can rewear my jeans. I'll be fine with that. And then I know I, you know, I Google, there's a CVS near my hotel, walking distance from my hotel. So I can go get some cosmetics and some hair stuff so that I don't look like I just rolled off a plane or out of bed. And, and there was, that was it. I was done. I, that was it. Everything I needed, um, I could do. And I didn't need I didn't need my suitcase. Wasn't that big a deal. Yeah, it was nice to have some clean underwear and, and whatnot. But I, even if I didn't have that, I could have washed them in the hotel room, right? But, you know, but I had the luxury of, of being able to, to kind of remove those obstacles just with that unconstrained, um, anyway. We, we did a campaign for uh, Ex Officio uh, for Greg, uh, because Greg was sponsored by Ex Officio uh, when he did his 1800, 18,000 mile bicycle trip through the wow. Americas. So the result of that campaign or the result of that uh, expedition over the course of two months was a campaign called 18,000 miles and two pairs of underwear. I love that. I absolutely two pair, love two that. Two pair yep. of underwear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. That's and great. It's, and it's, uh, and so ex officio is legendary for the, these super comfy underwear that you can wash and they'll dry very quickly and you just That's then, amazing you know while you're on the road they're just the you know these travel boxer boxer briefs and uh think of the incredible freedom right like that that kind of psychology is a great freedom right for you let go of your material Exactly. At that moment, you let go of the material constructs of what I need to get by in life, because those things really were minor. Because they they weren't they weren't paying you for your for your uh, outfit, <laughs> what I wore, <laughs> right? Yeah, they weren't paying you for your outfit or your clean underwear. They were paying you to be Jamie in front of the audience. It's true. In my, I ended up in a bubblegum pink Las Vegas gift store t-shirt. It was, <laughs> yeah, it was pretty great actually. But yeah, it was, you're right, and that's really it. And it's about the information that you share and the stories that you bring and the experience that you're going to offer and not what you're wearing and you know it it is one of those things um even now i i don't know it's it's funny i i love to you know i do love material things uh, um to a certain degree and i don't mean to derail on that as much as like talking about you know the progression that we sometimes have to walk through but 
um, it is nice to know that you can remove a lot of things and still accomplish what needs to be done. Um, but yeah, yeah. It it just reminds me of the in, the interactions we have, um, the interactions we have with our children, especially when they're young. Children do not care one bit about the material world. The younger they are, the less they care about They're the taught. material world. They're taught that. Yeah. Children care about how we are, right? They want to know how we are. They want to feel how we are so that they have, that's how they aspire to the, their, their own development and growth. And we need to remember that about our interactions with other humans is that deep down, if people remove their judgments and stuff, what they really care about is how we are. Yeah. Now, some people, right, they are and can be, and I know I can be very judgmental. Sure. I think it's an innate an innate part of us. Right. Um, and it's 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 a way that we manage and protect ourselves and and create. Um, arbitrary measures in order to navigate and deal with people and create boundaries and yeah but ultimately in the end they are hiring you when you're going on these speaking game they are hiring you to be jamie in front of the audience whatever yeah. that means because people want to feel you they want to experience you and that energy is what the real information is and you could be talking about anything Right. Could, <laughs> Unconstrained. You, you yeah, you could have been you could have been doing a tech talk. You could have gotten up in front of the audience and done a talk about not leaving your suitcase at home. Yeah. Right. You could have done a 10-minute TED talk on letting go of material expectations and boundaries and then going with the flow, right? That could have been a creative um a creative result, but in the end. The reason you're there is because people are feeling you, right? Your energy. They're not the, what most people, but the mostly they're getting out of it is that feeling of like, oh, I really like this person. I really, you know, oh, that information was useful, but the reason it's useful and the reason it goes in and the reason it's remembered is because you're delivering it with a certain energy and joy and passion and experience so that people people can feel that they can trust you that what you're talking about is legit right it's not something you made up with a bunch of writers it's a no. it's a legit personal it's lived experience. experience that you're yeah. you're sharing and so that comes with a whole lot of confidence joy love and care when it's delivered and that's what people are feeling and that's that's what we use that that energy that juice is what we use to raise our children but we forget that that's also how we are interacting and perceived in the world and i had this i had this experience in the gym the other day where I'm just, oh, lately I'm just having a good time in the rock climbing gym, right? People come up and I'm like, hey, how's it going? I see people who, you know, I barely know their name and, but I want to have a conversation because it's social and then we're trying out these uh, 
boulder problems or climbs that are fairly hard and we're discussing how to go through and then somebody else shows up and I go oh Felix have you met Martin <laughs> oh no I haven't met Martin so I'm introducing people and uh Martin's like, geez, you must know everybody in here. You're like the mayor. You're like the mayor of this place. And I'm like, I love it. And I'm like, no, no, not really. There's, you know, <laughs> there's so many people I don't know, like 90% of all the people who are in there, I don't know. But um, I'm giving them that feeling that this is a community. Yeah. Right, because I want it to be a community. I want it to be fun for me. I want to be open to meeting fun people. And I realized I I sat down with this one person. I haven't I haven't spent more than one minute with this person previously, and I spent five or ten minutes, and I found out he's just a freak for sailing. He loves sailing. He was uh, when he was working in New York. He was a member of some sailing club, and he was out every week so now he has a jones to go out sailing and i have another you know i have another potential crew member yeah that's awesome <laughs> but it's but it's because i want that place to feel like a community for me and so then i behave accordingly whereas other people they don't need they a lot of them don't even look up and smile when you walk by they're just you know like the gym yeah, the gym is like can be all business for a lot of people. It, you know, and the gym is often that for me. I've uh, I've been returning to the gym, but I've been doing a very small. It's called team training at our gym, where it's just I think it maxes out at like fifteen people. You sign up and you go, and it, I think it's CrossFit based, but I'd never done CrossFit in my life. But the mm. trainer so adorable. He's this young, he's got to be in his 20s. I'm probably old enough to be his mother, but um, irrelevant, right? Like, he's just like super encouraging and super fit. And I, I'm in the worst shape I think I've been in my whole life right now in uh, post pandemic kind of sludge that uh, accrued. And now I'm trying to work my way out of that. And but so I'm kind of there and I'm having a hard time and everything's heavy and difficult, but I'm there and I'm showing up and I'm doing my best. And I don't know. Yeah. But so often out in the gym, I've been that person. That's just, I'm there for business. Right. Like, but th this, there's something about the small group um, that everybody's very encouraging and everybody's very like, yeah, you know, and um, I I've never really experienced that at the gym before. I've always been very, uh, kind of scared at the gym I, I don't ever feel like I belong at the gym you know and so I'm, I'm just there I do my thing I get in I get out and I go home and I feel good and but now I'm, I'm trying a different approach so it, it's, it's different it's more community yeah. based <laughs> well it, it it is good because the everybody is scared at when they first go to the gym wild because, <laughs> see you would never know that <laughs> well because everything's new yeah. Right. I mean, like, I'm not, I mean, I'm not saying every, everybody, right. Everybody, but this is with anything new, there are fears about not being able to do it, not being able to do it right. Or will I, will I get in shape? How long will this take? Um, am I going to like this or these people, all of that? I mean, yeah. it's just, a thousand. It, and so, and so everyone has that. And so fortunately with rock climbing, there is a 
one, if you're going to be climbing um, in the gym, you have to have a partner. So you at least have to be able to relate to one human. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, because a lot of people are working on the same stuff because there's a whole gym filled yeah. with routes and climbing problems, you're sharing information, you're watching people. And also in general, I am cheering people on because if I can't solve something, I want to see them do it so that I get in climbing terms, I get yeah. the beta Yeah. and climbing yep. and climbing. You're looking for the beta. You want to see the, you want to get the information about where the moves are, how to properly yeah. the holds. I and find so myself doing that. Like I'm very tall and squats with the bar, like doing them correctly. Now that I've seen people do it, like that's it though. I have to watch like in order to really process it. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, uh, so that creates, uh, that creates a, a little bit of built-in camaraderie right yeah. because it's not all solo stuff you actually yeah. um and you need people to be able to work these problems out these uh, boulder problems and then these routes that are complicated or really hard yeah. and then typically you always have somebody rooting for you uh in general people are in climbing are rooting for somebody to finish or complete or solve a problem because it's not there's no even in competitions people are rooting for each other yeah it's yep. it's 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 strange in climbing in rock climbing there is not that oh, i'm gonna crush you it's not that doesn't at least i've not experienced it in my 40 plus years of climbing it's very collaborative people share information and yeah. are, root, are rooting for each other and so that creates this environment where I can kind of be free yeah to be a goofball and randomly interact with people in the gym make comments and quips to see if they are willing to open up yeah right to yeah it's, pull them uh... out of their business for a moment it's really nice when people do that. I feel like I do well when other people start that, that, you know, like if, some, if I wouldn't necessarily be the first to be like, Hey, you're doing great or whatever. Um, always, but, um, yeah, like a couple of people have been very encouraging in this small group. And it's funny. It's a lot of like middle-aged women who are just trying to take care of ourselves, right? Like just trying to be in the best shape that we can be. Um, given everything else going on in life as mothers, as whatever we, we do, you know, usually, I don't know if I've found a lot of uh, physiques in common. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's actually, it's really nice when um, we encourage each other and help each other and, you know, extend that hand that says, you know, like, you've got this, I was there too. And I've had a lot of that in that class where it was like, one woman, I think she's, she's, she's probably five to seven years older than me, but she was like, cause she was lifting. Like I, I, I was super impressed with what she was squatting or whatever. And I was just like, wow, great job. And she goes, it's taken me five years to get here. And you know, and I was like, that's beautiful and very encouraging for me to not feel like, oh my gosh, like I, I can't lift what she was lifting like right now. 
but yeah. with work and with consistency and showing up, maybe I will, maybe I will, maybe I won't, but she was absolutely inspirational for me. Yeah. Well, the beautiful thing about lifting, especially Olympic style lifting, there's so much technique involved Yeah, and you can refine it and refine it and refine it. And, um, it feels great to have a great, to have a great clean, yeah. a clean, a, you know, a clean to a squat yeah. uh, and have that just feel super balanced and, and super smooth. Yeah. Uh, that feels, that feels great. And that, that does take years to get there, but the, the, the mastery is its own. Again, we've talked about this mastery is its own reward. Right. And um, that's what you have to look forward to. And then it's, then it's not about getting fit anymore. It's about, it's about mastering this stuff. That right there. And when you said, you know, um, getting better and better, I can't remember exactly what you just said 30 seconds ago, but you know, it's, you do it over and over and over, but like we've talked about in many of the previous episodes of our unconstrained conversation, there's always a better to become. And it's, yeah. you know, it doesn't matter how good you get at it. There's always a better to become. And I find that, you know, like in every touch point of the conversation we've had so far today, even, you know, <laughs> if it's in the context of Twitter, if it's in the context of the world and, and taking care of the earth, there is always a better to become. And sometimes that requires massive shifts. Sometimes it requires micro shifts in what we're doing right now. There's always a better to become. And it, it starts with awareness though. You know, it, it, it has to start with awareness. You, you can't become better if you already think you're there, or you think you're the best that there is, or, you know, or well, don't want, refuse to become better even, you know, it's just, I'm good enough as I am. Well, and better, better is also arbitrary. Yeah, it's right? true. It's like we decide what we decide what better means. But I and, think mastery and, is such a beautiful articulation of what I mean by better, right? Yes. And that and that is even just mastering every day, every moment awareness. Yeah. Right. And yes. then. And then it's like, where do I want to take my awareness? I'm going to exactly. take my awareness today to refining my lift. I'm going to refine my clean. Yep. And I'm going to start with this much weight and see <laughs> if I can maintain. I'm going to I'm going to start with 130 pounds and I'm going to see if I can maintain my form. And then I'm add five or ten pounds That's... more and see if I can still maintain my form and when it all falls apart then I'll go back down to the lighter weight and yep. work there and just get that form right if you start with good foundations um you know yeah good form that's where I'm at I'm working on good form <laughs> just understanding yeah. what that even means in the context of lifting because I've never really done lifting before um you know I never I as a climber over you know I just would climb yeah and then at some point in my 40s, I realized um, that's not enough because yes. I'm not, I'm not, I, I am in danger of getting injured because yes. the rest of me isn't all Strength. one cohesive unit. <laughs> and so I started doing squats and I had to just start with the bar. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. I because, did add some tiny little things to the end, but. 
because at, at extreme and and I do really deep squat. I, I, yep, I, all the me, way down. <laughs> for me, I, I'm lucky because I have flexible ankles and I have flexible hips, so I can I can just squat right down onto my haunches. Yeah, uh, doing a back squat or a front squat. That's and what uh, I'm learning right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's deeper than a 90 degree with the floor or whatever. Yeah. It's, it's like yeah. all the and way that, down. <laughs> yeah. And that, um, that say, doing that and learning how to be, um, you know, how to keep my back straight and not yep. blow my, not Your blow my up. back out, yeah. not blow my back out. And, uh, that took a couple of years, but what it did for me was it, it created strength at really extreme angles in my knee. And so, because when you're squatting that low and you've got a lot of weight, yeah. it's, it's building strength in areas where normally your knee would be vulnerable. And, yeah. That, yeah. and that kept me, that is what I would say revived my basketball playing oh that's great and so over the years I just developed a routine that was just specific to keeping my lower body and my core in shape for basketball so Achilles knees so squats deadlifts and then raises hamstring stuff quad stuff lunges and everything to increase flexibility and strength at extreme because in basketball you're running around and squatting and and moving sideways and um i played basketball right up until right up until the pandemic right into my 60s yeah. and so now we're still looking for another gym but i know that because i've gone away from this routine i will have to be very very thoughtful about going back into playing basketball i'm gonna have to revive this routine to keep my knees fit and uh, I play with young guys and they just go out and play and they're hurt all the time <laughs> injury yeah well, they're just not aware enough of what their body needs in order yeah. to keep keep doing what they need you know what they want to keep doing and basketball's super ballistic or it can be so it's the the lifting has kept me in the game in many games for a long time. And I never, and I I never thought about it until I met Jack LaLanne. (laughs) I remember you talking about Jack LaLanne. The Jack LaLanne. Oh, so we've told the Jack, have we told the Jack LaLanne story? I think so. I think early on episode somewhere one through five, (laughs) I believe we talked about. Thanks to Jack LaLanne. For those of you too young to know who Jack LaLanne is, Google them. <laughs> yeah, really cool stuff. Really cool, inspiring um, person. Yeah. So, uh, have you had any uh, more dreams? Any more interstitial inspirations? You know, so I haven't had any other dreams, and I I keep kind of. It's funny. I was just thinking about the that dream this morning on my way to walk you know, on our way to our walk um, with Ernie. But like, I was thinking, I was like, you know, I haven't had any dreams and I haven't, I don't know, like I was trying to process, have have I noticed anything different since the dream, you know, kind of thing. And 
And then I kind of landed at, well, all that matters is I found it significant. So I'll leave it at that. But, but then, so no, no, no more dreams, but kind of relating to something that you were talking about just a few minutes ago in the context of community and deciding that you wanted to build a community for yourself in, in your gym, this is something that I feel like, um, it's kind of what I'm doing in my work projects right now is, you know, in, in building kind of learning and development programs for tech teams, I'm focused on one specific team right now, the company that has hired me to do that, but I'm really starting to build some personal relationships now, like getting to know people in a more one-on-one, um, context. Right. And it's funny the thing that has been a fantastic icebreaker because a lot of it is zoom conversations but this came up quite incidentally and over the past couple of weeks i've been doing some calls with like the the leaders of the company to let them know that starting in january i'm going to be doing a 12 series thing one a month every month through 2023 and um, just give them a heads up so that as the leaders they can encourage their teams to attend and, and so on and so on but um on Zoom, most people have their background blurred. I do not. I mean, it's a little out of focus, but it's not, uh, you can see stuff going on, right? So one day I had somebody ask about the birdhouses back here. And, you know, like the, it was, she was just like, she's like, I got to know what's the story with the birdhouses. <laughs> so I was like, simple story, you know, and I was in, but we got talking over that, right? And then another day I was actually doing, um, as you know, Stefan, Ken and I are collectors of arcade cabinets. We have 27 different machines. Um, and I had some in the background yesterday. I was in a different location. You could see three of the arcade cabinets in the back. And I had a couple of people say, what are those cabinets back there? What are they? Like, what are your yeah. games? And then it started. So, so I w- and then another um, woman that I, I work with, she said, we've had so many comments about your zoom backgrounds. And I said, yeah, I said, um, I got to, I can't remember exactly how I phrased it with her. Hold on. I I wrote it down because it was funny. Um, yeah, you have a whole (laughs) interesting backgrounds are the spice of zoom life. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But it, oh man, it's and so Ken I was telling Ken about it he's like oh you should encourage everybody to unblur their backgrounds and maybe there's more conversation that happens about these personal you know after I've had a lot of comments about the typewriter I've had comments about the way back there somebody noticed said are those bottles of glue like and it is it's Elmer's glue I have a whole world but you know and so it triggers these conversations and stories of why I would have you know seven bottles of glue lined up back there which relates to picture this clothing, which, you know, I mean, it's just, um, yeah, you're, you're, you're broadcasting your interests with your background. Exactly. There's some bass and guitar over here, piano. Yeah. (laughs) It's like you do. And it's, we're surrounded by the things that we love and we care about. And if I'm blurring those out, I don't know, like to me, I feel like it's less personal. I I like to be personal. I want to get to know you as well as I want you to ask questions if you have them, if you're curious. Well, well, the thing is, is you are personal and who you are and what you're projecting is personal. And in my mind, your background could be whatever it is. And like my background is because of where my desk 
desk is yeah. here in in my little office in the uh, in the house. There's not much of a background, and I have to I have to like close the door so that you're not looking into the dark bathroom. <laughs> um, and uh, depending on how wide the shot is, yeah. there's there's a desk where all the rock climbing gear and shoe you know there's shoes shoes on it. Uh, or on the other side, you're peering into the kitchen, essentially. But there isn't, um, I don't, I don't have, a, I don't really have a background. There is some art on the wall and there's yeah, actually, there's a lot more art in front of me. I'm looking into a whole bunch of art. And we'll have to uh, get your beetle back in there. Or a scarab. Mm -hmm. the, you have the scarab oh, or yeah, the beetle? Oh yeah, the scarab. Yeah. Yeah, there's there a scarab is. there. <laughs> There's a scarab there, but this, uh, um, whenever we're recording, the um, uh, it cuts that out. Yeah. Your shot, your shot in the recording for some reason is much wider, and then mine is. Oh yeah, you have like narrow. a square. It's like a, yeah, this square. It's, yeah, it's a three three to two ratio instead of a yeah. instead of a. a HD TV ratio, 16 to one or 16 to whatever, ratio, 16, <laughs> to nine. 16 by nine, crazy three to two today. versus 16 by nine ratio. But it um, works. Here we are. Well, the, the, the point is, again, I think we're at the point again of these things are these things are really nice and they open, they give people an avenue to discuss with you. But I would say that your background could be totally white. And that you would still, you know, or it could be totally neutral from a, an aesthetic regard, but who you are is the primary, primary force that's generating all this, um, you know, the openness and the interaction. And yes, the background is fun. And that's why we do design. And that's why we do marketing. It's true. And care about aesthetics because aesthetics are a way to relate to people and open things up. But a lot of people will be listening to us and only hear the sound of our voices. They might, they'll, they'll never be looking at the background. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> and so they have to get an idea or a feeling of how open or we are and what we're talking about. They'll have to feel it, but it's only through the power of our voice and our intention. I hope they feel it, Stefan. <laughs> feel it. <laughs> That's our hashtag for uh, for our comp for where next. That's our company hashtag. Feel it. Feel some feel something. Hashtag oh, feel something. That's really cool. Because that's our that's our goal with when we're producing stuff. We want people to feel it. We yeah. don't want people to think it. We want want them to feel what it was like to be with us whether it was in the arctic or whether it was mountain biking in norway <laughs> so. no, i think that's very cool very cool yeah so i it seems like that's the theme today is like it's it's not what you do it's how you are <laughs> regardless of what you do or regardless of what's happening around us mm -hmm. right it's not it is not it's not what we do. I mean, what we do is the result of it, but it's like in what we, in whatever we're doing, it's how we are. That's really 
uh, anchoring the communication, anchoring whatever we're conveying. I really, you know, yeah, I love that. And I love, I love, um, I was talking, this goes back to the work thing and kind of just tying some of this together for my own context, but you know, Ken and I were talking about even this project work that I'm doing right now. He said, it's really nice that you can be somewhere that allows you to be yourself exactly who you are, because that's the important part. It's like you were saying, you know, like they hire you to be you. And yes, when I'm in the right place, I'm being hired to be me and to bring me. And sometimes I allow my mind to convince me I need to be something other than what I am. And I get a little lost and clouded and reminding myself that all I need to do is be true to who I am. It sounds so simple, but sometimes it's easy to get lost along the way with, you know, noise or with, uh, I don't know, crap. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. I yeah. Mean, I yeah, get, I, mean, I still get lost along the way, but the, this, like there's a, so the component of this conversation, right? That this is a reminder and because we have a cadence to it or we're doing it every week, there's like this weekly reminder, which instills it as a practice. And I can't underscore enough the importance of practicing this sort of thing, because it is easy to lose sight of all you need to be is who you are. You know, you're already there. Yes, there's always a better to become as we talked about. And the, but that's what the practice is all about, right? The practice is about like, okay, where am I? Where do I want to be? What kind of energy am I putting into the world? What kind of energy do I want to put into the world? There's a mindfulness practice. There's an, a practice of practicing. And, and I, I don't mean to talk in circles. I just, but that's what it is. Right. And that's what I, I really value about this conversation is it's, it's such a, it's such an important component of, of being in a practice and like without a practice, without that sort of checkpoint, it's very easy to kind of like get lost in the the day-to-day, -day, the whirlwind of, of everything that happens day-to-day. -day. I love that this kind of pulls me right back in and says, hey, don't forget to practice whatever it is you're practicing. Yeah, even if it's practicing, I mean, the, the ultimate practice <laughs> right? is being, right? Yes. That's, that's the, ult the ultimate practice is being that's that's it i think that simplifies what i'm trying to say a lot more well, a lot easier. well no but it's we have to like concrete solidify it a little yeah but being is the practice right that is the practice and it's very I'm easy writing notes here yeah it's very easy to forget the being part of it and i think my chair's sliding around here sorry about those noises um but yeah, like I think I think that's it, right? There's this practice of being and and it's like we go out into the world after we have these conversations and we exist in the way that we're existing, but like this pulls this focal point back into the being and, and it's like a let's check in and and how's the being going, you know? And I, I like that. I really um appreciate that. 
about this? Yeah, the it, it it takes me back to that moment in the gym where my one friend is like, "You're the mayor. You're like the, <laughs> the mayor, mayor here. Like you know, you know everyone." Which what that tells me is he felt that I was comfortable approaching everyone. Right. Right. That I was comfortable being curious about people, that I was comfortable introducing anyone. Not that I know everyone, which, like I said, maybe I only know 10 or 20% of the people, maybe even less than 10% of the people that are there at any time right, that I've bumped into, or even that they might look familiar. But every time I go in there, maybe only 5% of the people are people that I've know or have seen. And some of those are staff. But the feeling of I can be myself here, and I can be curious about people, and I can sit down with people and approach them and talk about something uh, unexpectedly, serendipitously, just bump into and talk to people that is the that is in a way of me practicing just being okay with myself and not afraid to interrupt someone or say something goofy or make them and some people some people will not will be all business and then i noticed some i made some comments about some people i complimented them on the way they packed their cubby hole Oh, right? <laughs> nice. there's cubbies where you yep. put your gear, right? Your and so stuff. there's a big cubby. And they had two people, two, there was a couple and they had their gear in there. And I just, and I, I just looked at them and I go, that is some, that is some uh, master level cubby packing skills there <laughs> for two people. <laughs> and they just looked at me and they're like, who is this guy? that's great <laughs> they come up and we're and we have a group and we're chatting and they go excuse me we got to get to the you know can we get to our gear in the cubby and i go and i look down and there's and i go that's master level cubby packing skills you guys are like that's like uh climbing university dirtbag 203 level stuff right there nice, nice. That's <laughs> and they just cool. look at me and then even like five minutes later i caught them looking at me like <laughs> Like, who is that guy? <laughs> Cubby Packer guy. Cubby, who's the guy Cubby with the Packer cheeky, compliment guy? Who's the guy with the cheeky Cubby Packing comments? <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, I love observations like that, though. I think those, you know, I feel like comments that are kind and humorous and I don't know, those are can go a long way in breaking the ice with people and and breaking down the all business barrier you know and i do i wish i i say i wish that i were maybe that's another exercise for me is just mindfully pushing myself to be that person more because i'm often not i'm too afraid or whatever i don't know what it is uh, a little inside my own head to be the person that makes the comment sometimes um but like, I, I always appreciate when other people extend that branch. Yeah. Well, you can't go wrong. It's very rare that you can go wrong by saying something kind to right? someone. Exactly. Right, exactly. Like, right, like, the, and, and uh, you don't have to be funny, right? Like yeah. that's the other thing. Um, 
I enjoy being funny, but you don't have to be funny. No, it, right? you can just like, be like, kind. Kindness right? is just free. Be kind. It's easy. Like, yeah. Like, like uh, I'll, um, like I'll see somebody climbing, even like in the gym, you're climbing, sometimes you're climbing next to or near people on the, you know, on the vertical, you're going up and down. And I'll see somebody working a really hard problem and I'll just look over and I'll go, that's really hard. You're killing it. <laughs> that's nice. <laughs> right. And that's what, you know, and so yeah. that person, the next time they see me, they'll be a little more open to me or we can have a conversation about something else. But it's like, I was willing to risk making a positive comment and chances are that person will accept it yeah and um and it may not go anywhere but i've opened a door with that person just a random person in the gym even and they may or may not we may or may not even remember each other but there's an energy or a feeling that subside or that resides in that space in the gym that's just been elevated a little bit right? Yeah. Like just a little bit, it's been elevated and all of these. And it's not that I'm do, I'm not consciously thinking about it. Like, Oh, I need to talk to this person or I need, that's not what's happening. It's just that I want to feel free to say whatever the fuck I want. Basically, right. right. Like I want to enjoy myself. I want to like be rooting people on. I want to be meeting new people. I want to get the energy going yeah so that the gym isn't about business even though I am getting really strong I'm getting a lot better the gym isn't about business the gym is about a community of people that are supporting each other and in that way I mean I'm getting super fit but I'm also it's a place that feels supportive and fun and open and light that's it right there so okay so <laughs> like that is what and, and this goes back to my work world right like where that's exactly what i want to build where i'm at is i want people to know that i'm approachable and that together we're gonna make this a better place we're gonna learn and we're gonna grow and we're gonna like figure out what it is that you want in your life so that we can work together and get you there, you know, like, and that's what, like, that's my whole purpose in being there right now, at least from my perspective, the whole reason I've kind of gone back to this people side of work um, from what I was doing is that that's what I'm really excited and really passionate about is trying, it's like, I feel like I've found ways that helped me get where I wanted to go. And now I wanna go help other people do that too in an environment where I know <laughs> that, that sometimes the things, the mechanisms put in place traditionally in corporations don't reach everyone the way that I know I needed to be reached. I had to find my own way because those tools weren't available to me in the way that I needed them to be. So now I feel like I found this way and I'm like, I wanna bring that to a team. I wanna bring what I've learned to a team so that they don't get 
you know, feel downtrodden and feel like there's not a, a community behind them or that that is theirs. And anyway, that's like what you just said there about your climbing and, and the, the environment you want to create for yourself. That's exactly what I feel like with this project. And I, it, like, I feel like it's starting to happen. Like we're starting to cultivate some conversation where people go, oh, I can talk to this person. There's relatability. Awesome. You know, and, and this person has leadership things they want to talk about and, and, and I'm excited to learn. And like, that's, that's what I'm building. And I'm excited about that. I'm really excited yeah. about it. I mean, we used to do that, um, in on the edge productions. Yeah. Uh, when I worked with the, uh, these guys from New Mexico and, uh, they were all former, people from Warner Earhart's forum yeah. and asked, and we've talked about that, but the, I mean, we would blast people out. I mean, yeah. this was industrial, this was industrial level can opener type stuff, <laughs> can opener for the spirit yeah, type stuff where we would put people in the red rocks on rock climbing events and have them, they had to take care of each other's lives. They had to belay each other. They had to, yeah support each other in physical initiative games, initiative exercises, uh, tightrope level type. Some stuff was on tightropes where you're on a tightrope, but you're in a pyramid with another person on a tightrope and those tightropes are diverging. So you're holding your hands above your head and you're creating this pyramid. And then the further you walk out, the further the pyramid flattens and flattens until you just collapse <laughs> into the middle of the, the uh, triangle of tightropes. And so people would have to, in order for those things to work, is you had to give exactly equal amounts of force and effort and focus to stay on those tightropes. Yeah. And so these were physical metaphors for many other ways of relating the challenge is is that you don't unlike us where we have this practice where we're relating and where we're practicing being open and going places together uh telling stories that you don't you can't put that tightrope and that that uh, high wire act you can't put that in the office so the people's memory of working together and these physical metaphors and these events that we created for people, they couldn't take those back into the office. So the trick is, is how do you create that regular practice? Yeah. And how do you give them tools that they can return to over and over and use to support each other? Yeah. Because we had great results. Um, you know, like we took the worst, the worst consumer product sales group at AT&T. And then within a couple of months after doing all of these uh, outward bound like training exercises, and it's a week, it's five days on site with us at some remote training site that, and, and with a little bit of support in back in the office at home, we took one division from the worst in the nation to the fifth best in the nation. And, um, 
I was only a tiny part of that. I was just one of the dudes, you know, running the events, but this is a whole enterprise of training and going back in and working with people. But it's very hard for people even to believe that they did that stuff because it was so out of their normal everyday lives. Yeah. And so how do we how do we convey these things and give people tools that work within the context of their ordinary everyday lives right because it has to work in and amongst it has to work with their children their spouses their relatives and their immediate circle you can't just say oh i just you know jumped off a beam and my whole life has changed now right. i understand the connection i have with other people and how other people can support me and that only lasts that feeling of jumping you know rock you know first time jumping off a cliff or tightrope walking with somebody in tandem with somebody that feeling only lasts a little while you have to connect it to every an everyday life experience and then practice it right yeah, and then practice. practice it and that's what goes back to i mean again everything from the beginning of this conversation today to now it's like there's um there's knowing and then like doing right like you can always you you're aware um you know it's like world climate issues or or elon musk trying to change twitter whatever it is it's like <laughs> there's like there's awareness like okay here's the problem or here's the challenge or here's the situation here's what i've become enlightened aware of and and then there's like okay here's the thing and here are the tools now you have to practice you have to use the tools. You have to practice using the tools in order to actually get any progress made. And it, it's, it's, it's just a continual unfolding. Um, and by practicing, it's, it's amazing how much more becomes, I guess, comes into focus, how much like you, your awareness broadens as you practice, as you make use of the tools that you learn about and you, you're like, oh, I have these tools. Let me use them. Let me put them to practice. The awareness expands and then the, the practice expands. It's kind of cool how this all works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is, again, we're at, the, we're at a point in the conversation where this becomes a spiritual right? It is the refinement. The refinement of anything leads to greater awareness of everything, right? And the being. focusing and focusing on the smaller and smaller and tinier and more refined aspects of anything that we do leads to a freedom in, in whatever we're doing, right? A freedom and, a, a, um, and then it opens up what did we call it last week? It, it, all of a sudden, you're at the truth of whatever you're doing, yeah, right? You're, right. You, yep. you access. You have you have access to everything because you're no longer worried about the gross uh, aspects of trying to learn something. It's so refined that it just becomes part of you, and then all of a sudden you are the nature of whatever you're doing. That's right? it. Like There's, that's, that's, that's once the you're in that state of being, and like right now for me, it might only be these sort of fragmented moments of really feeling like I am 
it. I am everything and I am being. They're fragmented, but with practice, they feel like, yeah, even those moments of being expand. And yeah, yeah, that's it. It is also good to have a regular environment into which to practice these things. Like I didn't, I didn't think of it until you just said that, but the gym is a predictable place mm -hmm. with just enough variety because there's always new people in there and yeah. then there's always regular people. So I can measure against new situation, familiar situation, the routes, there's new, always new routes and there's always familiar routes. So I can measure myself in new situations versus predictable situations and that's the beauty of lifting is you can it's very predictable it's mm -hmm. and you can refine it and refine it and then you can take that knowledge and that refinement into other lifts into the practice of other styles of lifting whether it's from a deadlift to a clean to a clean and a squat to a knowing the difference between what those are <laughs> well yeah and and but then in the practice of those then you can go to unfamiliar but analogous situations of, right and then see how your refinement and your skill pans out right it makes it makes those situations more approachable and yeah so we, we venture from the refined to the unrefined. And then in that space, we find out more about who we are and how much of our being can we take into the unrefined world. And I, I think that's the, that to me is the ultimate of any, I mean, well, we've used the word ultimate, but here today already, but the, the point of a spiritual practice and any kind of refinement, any kind of practice is that you want it to be able to work in the broadest possible situations. You want to be able to take your beingness into <laughs> the unrefined, messy world and have yep. your beingness be there with you and take you, uh, see you through all of those situations. Because with that, you're bringing all of your knowledge, all of your experience and all all the all that is around us all the the truth you've got access to the truth about everything if you can take that right if you if you can remember it remember what your practice gotcha <laughs> yeah you know yeah and and i don't know but yeah and yeah I, I guess i was going to comment on that but i think that my comment would take us in a circle that we don't need to go in we've covered and it's I, I think I'm processing it all again. I love it when we reach that point in the conversation where I'm like, I have a lot to process. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, is you, you've, um, you've, you've already done all the processing necessary. It's just like, you've got all the information. It's just that the realization hit, right? Like the, the realization hits. And then it's like, wow, I got this, right? Yeah. Like, this, is, this is in me now. Holy crap. Now what it's, do I do with it? It is. It's not, it's like, okay, it's, it's here. And then, yeah, like, I'm not even thinking about like how I'm going to apply it or whatever. It's just, it's, no. it's, it's the knowing and the being and, and then like, ah, 
like the light there's <laughs> and then we we meet again next week to see how it all works out <laughs> yeah yeah I, i'm waiting for the stories from next week yeah i went to the gym went in there to my class and looked over and i said nice lift barb <laughs> no well and that's i you know i mean i've had wow. people, yeah there's, I have to tell you about just side story, gym story, since we're on gym stories. Now, um, there is a woman in the class most days. Uh, she's got to be in her late 60s. I'm, you know, I don't ask, but she's this tiny, adorable woman. Her name is Toshi and uh, later 60s, but just 100% muscle. And the, the, this woman puts us all to shame almost. I mean, not, you know, awesome. in the best way. She just like, I want to be Toshi. Like she's absolutely inspiring and she's just solid. And, you know, it's like, okay, we got to run 200 meters outside in the 42 degrees. That's what we do. And so I've been doing that right along with everyone else. I'm a little slow. Um, but you know what? Like Toshi's always like, every time I pass her, she's like on her way back in and I'm still on the out. And she's like, great job. You know, every time she passes people, she's oh, like, yeah. great job. Like, you know, and I just, I love that um, motivation and the, where she's at, like the, like inspiration, pure, like embodied inspiration. And I admire yeah, that she, so greatly. She, she believes in where she's at. Absolutely. She 100%. believes in where she's at and she's willing to share the mm -hmm. juice, right? Yeah. Like she's, she's got juice and she's willing to share it. Encouraging, um, inspirational and never like competitive, but always helpful. And like, but yeah, it's just, it's really a cool thing. Really cool thing. Toshi, you're the best. Toshi. <laughs> Toshi's the best. She is the best, man. She is rad in every way i'm just like man i aspire to be toshi yeah. and that physical embodiment of toshi is amazing and well, i'd like to get to know her more yeah yeah even just saying somebody's the best is like a can opener right it, it is just, it's, a, it's a expected can opener i've done it i've done it with uh with our teams quite often and we've talked about it but sometimes it's just like, you guys are the best. You're the best. Right? Yeah. No, how can I be the best? How can the I best. be the best if you're the best? <laughs> oh, it's true. I love, um, I love being in environments like that, where those sorts of people rally together to support each other, to improve themselves. And uh, I feel like that's what this is between us as well. And I, I just like, I'm finding myself in those environments more and more. And, and like I say, finding myself on one hand, but on the other hand, I'm designing that for myself. I'm putting myself, my awareness is putting me in those sorts of positions, right? In those circumstances yes. where I'm experiencing more of that more frequently than not. And that well, some is the being. <laughs> Yeah, someone needs to set the example, right? Like you wouldn't have if Toshi wasn't around, what would you aspire to? Some some photo in a magazine? Right. Like 
right? Yeah. Like, like that's the, that's the beauty of being a human example of being Yeah. because we have all these false, well, false idols, right? Like yeah. if we want to go to, back to a biblical <laughs> concept, do not worship false idols. Uh, right. So people like, Oh, I want my abs to look like that person in that Instagram feed, or I really like right. that outfit. And I want to be able to have the muscles or the look or the the booty to make that outfit look great. And those things are, those Sleeping. things are false. <laughs> what we want, what we, what we, what we're really wanting is the feeling of a healthy, vibrant being. That's that exactly un, that what un, I want. Yeah. That is unencumbered by, by mental linear material judgment. Right. Like yeah. we want the feeling of being like I'm in my body and I feel good and yes. I root other people on a hundred percent. And that has nothing to do with how I look, mm -mm. what, you know, how I, how I materially show up. It has everything to do with how I feel internally. And that, um, you know, that's the, that's the, that's what we're going for. Right. Like that's, I mean, and that's what somebody like Toshi is sharing wherever she's at and she's running by. She's like throwing a bread crumb out. Like yeah. when she's running by all those other people at the gym and she's going, great job. She's throwing out a breadcrumb of like, yeah. you can feel like I do too. And you yeah. can have extra juice. And I've, and the same for me, I've seen 80 year old people in the climbing gym and uh, Fred Becky, who, uh, a climbing legend uh, who was relentless right up into his nineties. And I'm yeah. like, that's, I want to have that level of feeling, that level of focus, yeah. that level of interest in whatever I'm doing when I'm 90, I want to have that juice. I want that juice. And the only way to get it is to free ourselves from all of these arbitrary judgments and fears constraints, and constraints right? <laughs> yeah. like we're right we all we all need to practice more being just constraint and believe believing in our being and loving our being and accepting our being accepting it and that i do find like it just what you were saying like you know how like there's a the example of Toshi that she sets in the the work that she does the, that she puts in to feel and look the way she looks you know she amplifies physically what she's internalized already right and I think mm -hmm. that's the beautiful part and that's that's what like it's it's interesting since I started doing I, I think I'm I just completed my third week of doing these morning classes and um with this little group at the gym and um yeah, it's not about, it's really not about the, how I physically look. It's, it's a hundred percent how I feel, um, how I, I came to feel that, you know, you know, a physical sense that made me feel like I, I don't feel good right now, the way that <laughs> in my current habits, I don't feel good. I don't feel great. Like I once did, you know? And so that's, that was my motivation to get back in there and to make it work. And that's been something too, that, um, making it work. You know, I took on a new workload. I've got, I'm a mother of two and my kids have schedules. And then I, 
I'm a co-owner of a couple companies and, you know, I mean, it's just just like, there's a a lot in our day-to-day lives and making that component a piece of it. it took me a little bit of adjusting. I'm like, I used to go to the gym at like four in the morning and that was a great time to go. But during the pandemic, we found a puppy running in the streets. So now we have this puppy that I need to walk every day. And it, it shifted my availability to go to the gym to a different time slot. And I, I, it took me a little while to kind of move my puzzle pieces around to find something that fit that locked into place. And I think I found it now. And, and so like, it just so happened, this class is there. It motivates me to show up because there are other people like going by myself is what I used to do. And I, um, that wasn't working for me anymore. So I had to shift things and try different things until I found something that I always use that puzzle piece analogy, because it it does feel like, you know, you're flipping the puzzle pieces over and then you got to find the corners or whatever your process for solving puzzles is, but you're moving pieces around to see what locks into place. And this for me has finally locked into place. I had to move things around and kind of sort and organize and reorganize and iterate my way through finding the thing that worked. And I've, three weeks in now, I feel like I found a rhythm and that's going to yeah. work for me for until it doesn't right. Until I need to reconfigure. I'm on a new puzzle maybe. Um, but yeah, this, well, is, I'm glad, this is good. I'm glad to see you've uh, prioritized uh, puppy fitness uh, or <laughs> prioritized Jamie, yeah. Jamie fitness over puppy fitness and that puppy still gets yeah, Fitness still gets too. his everyday walk too. So yeah, it's just, it did, it took me a little while to figure out what that is. And it's not the same every day. That's the thing that I think the thing that was holding me back was trying to lock into a, a routine that was the same every day was not mm. working for me. I, I had to realize that I needed to allow for some flexibility. I needed to allow for the unknown a little bit. And once I did that, it opened things up so that I could easily like move things around, put this over here. You thankfully are very, have been very flexible to things that have, I'm like, oh, can we move this a day? And you're like, absolutely. So that, thank you for that as well, because that has allowed me to slide things around a little bit and make them work from day to day. Well, I am lucky that I am in a very flexible place in my life uh, at the moment. And I hope to be able to maintain that uh, but this is a priority, so yeah. there's not much that's going to get in the way of this. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> for me. Like, it, I'm like, so oh, whatever. Even yeah. if, even if, even if there's still only one or two, you know, if there's maybe only one or two listeners, there's still not much is going to get a uh, get in the way of this. And uh, ultimately, I hope. If people, even if people just listen to this in the background, yeah, just have it on in the background, they don't even necessarily need to pay complete attention to the subject matter. I just hope that people feel the juice of this kind of all, because all we are doing is building up positive energy. And usually, and today, as we have in all of the previous ones, we arrive at some realization that opens a door seemingly to more energy. Yeah, it really does. And more that's more realization. 
what I find beautiful about doing this, and it is a, you know, I'm the one who tends to slide it around the, the actual time that we have these conversations, but at the same time, it is such, it is in my priorities, you know, things that I don't want to go a week without doing this. Like I, I, I want to make sure that we get it in there, you know, yes. <laughs> it, yeah. it is important. Wow. Good well, a, another good, another good session. I agree. Thank you so much, Stefan. And <laughs> thank you, you know, so much, Jamie. Yeah, this has been uh, really exciting again, and I um, look forward to our next one. Uh, I look forward to next week as well. <laughs> and uh, here we go. <laughs> here we go. Unconstrained. The, unconstrained. <laughs> the unconstrained high five show closer. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess take care and. Um, yeah, let's do this again next week. All right, we'll see you next week. All right, Cheers. Bye.